I feel like you put Dr. Will Kirby at number three. Um, I know. I know. Uh, I mean, it's the H Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome episode 72, the Sergei Bobrovsky edition of the podcast. Yes, I'm totally stealing from Jay Onright, the host of the SC with Jay Onright show that I work on at TSM. Jay was on episode 13 of this podcast, and that's one of his signature catchphrases. Bobrovsky, welcome back to the forest. Here's your badge and gun. Great chance, Bobrovsky. The enigmatic, good word, Bobrovsky, of course, wears the number 72 for the Florida Panthers. Also, did you know that Jason Campono is the only player in NBA history to wear 72? I mean, at least that's what Google says, and you obviously can believe everything you read on the internet, right? The former Raptor didn't wear 72 for the franchise, but he did wear it for the 76ers. Hmm, the more you know. Also, what you need to know, decent enough segue, is after being off our TV screens for well over a year, Survivor is back, baby. I'm fired up to discuss that and other reality TV with my next guest. So without further ado... Let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on a special guest, Grace Leader. She's a reality show junkie, contributor to Rob Has a Podcast, and hosts her own podcast, Hold Up. But most importantly, she was my roommate years ago. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Grace. Oh, thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Uh, it's like old times. Yeah, well, yeah. that's the great thing, right? It's like, you know, when you haven't talked to someone for a while, like we haven't, we've obviously messaged on Facebook and stuff like that, but... It's just you pick up right where you left off to uh, tape thing, right? So uh, I'm very excited to do this. And uh, obviously, we're both huge reality show fans. So uh, if you hate reality shows and you're listening to this, this podcast is definitely for you for some reason. Not sure why, yeah. but uh, no, it should be a great talk. And uh, I, I was talking to someone recently, and they were, they were saying, like, are you a reality fan? And I was like, I like competition reality. That's my favorite. There has to be some sort of gamified system to it for me. Like, I'm not watching, like, you know, Keep, uh, keeping up with the Kardashians or anything. I'm watching, you know, no offense if people watch that. You, you watch your thing, like watch what you enjoy. But for me, you know, the survivors, the big brothers, uh, you know, that's where that's that's my love. I, I 100% agree for sure. Like, and obviously, I love uh, the Bachelor series as well and uh, Love Island, those types of ones. So those aren't quite the same, obviously, but uh, there's competition there. They, they, they're they're trying to win something, you know. <laughs> yeah, win uh, win huh. the bachelor bachelorette leads heart, I guess, or or, or right. win followers or something like that, you know. But uh, no, I agree. I'm That's not right. uh, really into the ones where it's just uh, there's actually no actual reason they're doing the show other than just to see people living their lives. Yeah, I do like the the competitive element of of these shows. And uh, what show do you want to start off? I, I, I figure we should start off with Survivor, I mean- right? Yeah, we gotta talk big. You know, it's the it's back after how long? Like uh, almost a year uh, of being off TV. I think. And, uh, uh, holy... I think it's been over a year because I think the the last season winners at war they had to do like a, a Zoom call for like the reunion, right? So I yeah. think it's been like a year and a half almost. Yeah, because he said he was like committed to being back on in the fall. I, I think it was like spring of 2020. So yeah, it's been more than a year because um, now it's fall 2021. But um, Wow, did you feel like I mean he talked about it being a new era. I certainly felt that last night. Did you did you feel that? Yeah, so yeah, the premiere was a 2-hour premiere was uh was was on and I, actually I quite enjoyed it. I have always said for the last few years uh, it must be tough because it is normally a 42-minute episode uh, to be able to jam some, you know, so much uh, content in the show, but it was just so much game related that you didn't really know these players. Like I often found like Going into like the final eight, I'm like, I don't even know like three of these people basically at all, right? 
So they, yeah. they really leaned, I felt, I felt more into like the emotional aspect of people on the show, which was good, I thought. And uh, I, I thought it was a, a, a good premiere and uh, certainly something to build off of. I totally agree. I thought that it had a nice balance. There was a lot going on in this episode. Like there's a lot of, you know, okay, everybody gets this, you know, mini idol. Okay. Here everyone, you know, the two tribes that lose have to have this dilemma at camp. Okay. We're going to send people on like a, a summit. Like there was a lot of like the structure of the game stuff, advantages, uh, dilemmas, decision stuff. And I thought that you know, this episode easily could have been all that, right? Without any of the character building stuff. But I loved the new, like, um, sort of a, a callback to the earlier seasons of like, here's a little snippet uh, from them at home, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. um, like the stuff that is outside of the game, uh, I thought was really well done and really impactful in terms of, you know, they had two hours, but they had a ton of stuff to fit into this episode. Um, and I thought they... They, you know, they found the balance between um, the advantages and the and the game design, and then the actual characters and the people who are playing the game. I thought I thought it was really well done. Absolutely, and uh, one of the sort of the the advantages or disadvantages that could have happened to them was the essentially getting, gaining an extra vote, and then two of the guys uh, decided to take that, and then one of them didn't. The uh, ex NFL player uh, didn't, unfortunately. But what do you think mm -hmm. of that? What, what would your decision been on that? Would you have taken the extra vote and taken uh, that chance or would you have played it safe? There was a lot of discussion here on Twitter last night. I was talking with someone and I said, I think the move is to protect your vote. So I think early on in a six person tribe, your vote is so valuable that to lose it um, is powerful. And I don't think the extra vote is powerful enough in that early game. Like, you know, you look at, um, I thought JD was heading for a five to one vote. I said, who cares if he has an extra vote, if you're just going to get voted out five to one, you know, right. or five to two then. And so I say protect your vote. And the reason why I think it makes sense is you are setting up those other people to get their extra votes. And it's a, it's an opportunity for you to use that. You know, if you are on a swap tribe with one of them, if you find yourself, you know, in a weird situation at the merge, like you can say, Hey, you have that extra vote. Like, yeah, you risked your vote, but but me protecting my vote made sure you got that extra vote, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's a thing you can put in your back pocket. You don't have it. I saw some people saying like, what if what if somebody votes you out with that later? Like, I don't know. That's like you know the odds of that a little bit unlikely. But I thought, yeah, you build your social connection, um, save your vote. And I thought uh, coming back to camp, um, he looked he looked great. He's the only one I think who was like. Pretty. Well, I mean, Xander was pretty well believed too, and he risked his vote. But I, I don't know. My my instinct was to say, protect your vote. That's the smart move. Mm -hmm, what, mm -hmm. what do you think? I think that's uh, probably a good way of doing it. Uh, or at least if you are going to lie about it, uh, be. <laughs> I mean, obviously they're editing it to make it. You know, you you know that you know when JD was lying, it was like oh uh, right away. It's like okay, obviously uh, you know as a viewer you can tell he's lying clearly, and uh, you know they showed uh, you know some people not believing him. But uh, I think, yeah, I think also in, the, in the, a lot of these situations like that, I think just tell the truth because I think people are just going to assume you're lying anyway. So yeah. if you just tell the truth, I mean, then, then you don't get fumbled up with trying to you know, come up with different stories or whatever. Just tell the truth. Either people will believe you or they're going to think you're lying either way anyway. So uh, that's well, probably the, way, that's the best way of doing it. That's true. You look, Danny came back and said, hey, this was the dilemma. I said, protect my vote. I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm good. I still have my vote. We're good. And you don't have to like, you know, I'm not lying to you. Xander comes back and he says, no, I risked my vote. We have an extra vote. We as a group have an extra vote now. Um, they both told the truth and they both come out of it pretty clean. 
JD comes back with this, <laughs> you know, well, if two of them risk their vote, then you all lose, you know, uh, it's just, you know, and he lies. He says he protected his vote. So, uh, yeah, they, they catch on pretty quick. Everybody's suspicious. So, yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. I, I love JD, by the way. I was, I was so upset thinking he might uh, be gone right away. I'm like, I love a, a player like that. He's a, a young player. I think he said he's 20 or, tw- or 21 years old, something along those lines. And just, yeah. you know, a young, brash uh, character who's, you know, really, really, you know, is, is fired up to play the game. It seems like there's quite a few players that are like that, which are, are exciting this season. Uh, any other uh, people that you were really excited to, to see how they uh, may may uh, do this season? I mean, on the same tribe, I'm really excited to see Ricard. I think that Ricard uh, has a little bit of the gameness to uh, what I think he's going to, how he's going to play. I don't think he's going to play straight down the line. So I think he's someone who's going to play quite hard. I was excited to, to see him. Um, I was excited for Sarah. I'm kind of sad that Sarah's gone. But And then um, uh, Shan, Chantel, I thought was really fun in this episode. I mean, this is all people basically from the same tribe, but um, Chantel... Uh, she's the one who uh, who had her own theme music, right? This is my internal uh, voice. I think she's going to be really fun. I think she's, you know, made that decision there at the at tribal council. So uh, that, to me, that's the most interesting tribe, I think, by far. Yeah, yeah. and Chantel, of course, was the pastor who, by the way, was is from Toronto. I think she lives in the States now. But she was one of the right. two Canadians who were on the show. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 obviously, it's a cool little like dichotomy of like, she's a pastor, but she's like, yeah, I have no problem screwing everybody over. Which was like just so fun. Like it's just like this seems like she has a potential to be a superstar this season. I think that that's probably of all the people. I'd say her and Evie. I think uh, seem like they could be the absolute superstars this season. Uh, uh, Evie reminded me a lot of like because um, she was very good at um, narrating stuff, and she sort yes. of seemed a little nerdy kind of maybe as well. Kind of reminded me a lot like a, a, of a Cochran in terms yeah. of like that that one player that you're just gonna want to. That's the go to interview every single time. It looks like Evie is gonna be a star as well. I'm, I was really excited. I mean, as uh, uh, you know, as a trans person myself, I'm always excited. Uh, you know, I was very excited to see Zeke on years ago. But um, yeah, Evie should be very fun uh, to watch. I think the same thing has a lot of uh, game. She really flipped. I think she controlled that vote uh, as well to try and make sure that Tiffany was not the one to get voted out and that they voted out uh, Abraham. So um, I think some chops, some survivor chops from Evie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I like the fact that like, they, they finally have more of a diverse cast. I know years ago they had, uh, I think it was Cook Islands, they had like tribes uh, split mm-hmm. by race, basically, which kind of uh, seems cringeworthy when you think about it now. Like at least they were doing For it. Sure. It's a little bit better than like, uh, you know, Big Brother or, or Survivor for most every other season where it was just like one black male, one black female, 14 just white people. I, I never understood why uh, for many years, why they wouldn't want a more diverse cast because wouldn't you want different people from different walks of life who have different viewpoints and, and uh, all together at the same time because they have different ways of doing things, which then could tr- potentially uh, create more drama. I never understood why they wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. I, you know, it's been a problem for years um, being part of uh, the Rob is a podcast network. I know that there was a lot of uh, folks uh, getting their voice out there. Um, uh, the diversity campaign, I think was really uh, a big push to make sure that this cast was at least was, was half um, uh, you know, black, indigenous, uh, or people of color. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. Different walks of life, different people, like people that we've never seen, um, on the show before. Like, I, th- I feel like Nasir is somebody is like, a you know, mm-hmm. uh, someone from a background that, that we've never really, um, seen before. Certainly EVI talked about that. There, there's been a trans contestant, but I don't think like an out, like non-binary, um, person. So I think it's going to be fun to watch them. Yeah. I, th- I think it's going to make for a really exciting, uh, season. Yeah. 
Uh, it, it, it certainly has a great potential, I think, early on, and uh, I'm very, very excited to see, uh, you know, what's uh, what's going on. Now, you touched on, uh, you know, and I said on the intro there, you uh, contributed for, to Rob Has a Podcast. Of course, uh, that's Rob Sesternino, who is one of the greater legends of Survivor history. He was on the initial uh, Survivor All-Star season as well. Amazing player. Love him so much. Uh, how'd you get started with all that, and wh- what have you been doing with that? Yeah, so um, in 2020, you know, interestingly enough, it was um, Rob realized, I think, that his network was fairly, uh, you know, didn't have enough diversity as he probably wanted or needed in terms of being able to cover some of the stuff that was happening in the world. Um, you know, some of the the George Floyd stuff that came up. And so uh, I, I am white, but Rob started uh, what he called the Class of 2020, which was an initiative to bring on new voices onto Rob as a podcast. So um I had listened, I've listened to podcasts for years, um, you know, and uh, I saw that and I thought, you know, that could be fun. Why not give it a shot? Why not apply? And so um, right before that, I actually was on one of Rob's podcasts. He has a podcast called Rob and Akiva Need a Podcast, where um, we took them through the world of drag culture. So I did that and then I interviewed with him and um, he brought me on as part of the class of 2020. So I've mostly just guested on various Big Brother, Survivor, um, you know, Love Island. Lot, you know, they cover reality TV um, extensively. They, they become a rather large network. So any show that I'm watching, I typically let the host know that I'm watching and um, I may or may not um, end up on the show. So um, that's what I've been doing with Rob. It's been a pretty incredible um, experience. Very fun. Uh, you know, I think that Survivor is kind of one of these things. I think even, you know, not so much anymore, but for a long time was really, you know, it was like, oh, you watch, you still watch Survivor? Like that show is still on, you know? Mm -hmm. And to have a group of people um, to get to chat uh, with reality TV and and to bring my my life experience, you know, I, um, Rob just did uh, the Survivor rankings. So he ranked all 40 seasons of Survivor and each week he did a podcast that were often like three or four hours long. Um, But, you know, I went on and talked about uh, Survivor Game Changers, talked about Zeke earlier, you know, uh, got to, to chat a little bit about the importance importance of uh, that scene and, and and why what Jeff Varner did. I, you know, I don't know if you remember, he sort of oh, outed oh Zika at Tribal. Yep. Yeah, to revisit that and sort of chat about that, um, you know, from my perspective and, and how harmful um, that was. And so I, got, I get to do that and then also like be very ridiculous and silly uh, at the, uh, you know, uh, during the podcast as well. So that's been very fun. Yeah, I've been doing it since uh, about the summer of 2020. So, yeah, right. about a year. That's uh, that's amazing. And yeah, when, when I found out about that, I'm like, cause obviously I know how much you love Survivor and Rob Sesternino is, a, an, as I said, an amazing player and you're working with them. I'm like, that's so cool. I was so happy for you because that's an amazing opportunity. And yeah, that's uh, that Zeke incident with Jeff Varner. And I love Jeff Varner. He was on season two of Australian Outback. Yeah. He was on another season. No. He was on that season. I'm like, Kate Varner's playing a really good game. Like, not too bad. He might actually make them, uh, the, the jury. I was pretty excited. And then when uh, it all came crashing down, like, Oh, yeah. Varner, what the hell, man? Like, uh, unbelievable yeah. how well Zeke uh, handled all that, eh? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Zeke uh, Zeke didn't have to have, like, people talk a lot about how, like, well he, he you know, how, like, brave he was and, you know, how stoic he was. And, like, he doesn't have, he didn't have to be, you know, but it's 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 pretty amazing that um, that he was. So, um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been great. It's still weird to me that I can, like, message Rob Sesterino and he messages <laughs> me back. Like, that's weird. It's so weird. <laughs> Do you so know what? Cool. You know what? 
I, I did I did the uh, Survivor Vanuatu ranking as well, and oh, yeah. uh, T Bird Cooper. Uh, was doing some talking with T-Birds, which is a podcast where she goes back and finds old survivors and Rob and T-Bird interview her. And so she said, she sent me this message. She's like, I just listened to the podcast. It was so good. It was so great. You know, I'm going to talk with Rory in a few days. And I was like, this is too weird that like T-Bird Cooper from Survivor Africa mm-hmm. is in my DMs. <laughs> what is going on? That is yeah. so cool. So it's, it's been really cool. Yeah, yeah that she uh, surprisingly wasn't voted on um, years ago. I when know. They, they had uh, fans could vote. And I think a lot of people, for whatever reason, don't love Africa because I guess it wasn't a beach and stuff. But that season was really good. Uh, you know, a lot of great characters came from that season. And 100%. I'm sort of surprised that she never got a, a chance to do that. A, a very, very, very weird, I thought, on that one. But uh, you actually mentioned that Rob ranked all the, all the 40 seasons of Survivor. What, what did he say was the, the best one and what did he say was the worst one? So it wasn't his it wasn't his ranking. It was, um, you know, the listeners of Rob has a podcast all got to rank them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think they got like uh, a few thousand submissions. So uh, uh, Heroes versus Villains was number one. I believe Kageon was two. And I, I think surprisingly, like Pearl Islands was three. I think I might have that wrong, but um, I think that was one, two, three. Heroes versus Villains. Yeah, sneaked out the win. I'm trying to remember who won that. All the seasons they blend together. It's been 40 seasons. That's Sandra's you know? second. That's Sandra's oh, second win, right? Okay, okay, that's right, Russell right. and yeah, the villains. Yeah. So well, I'm no. glad you brought up Sandra because uh, she was obviously on Winners at War the last season, and uh, I'd mm-hmm. actually written down about you know favorite players of the past or whatever or that type of thing. Uh, I thought like when she won her first two seasons, I wasn't as on board with Sandra because I'm like. It just sort of maybe, maybe she somewhat lucked out, you could say a little bit. But then again, she won two seasons. That's incredible. But then her third season, I was like, I have so much, I have mad props for Sandra because obviously as the two-time winner, massive target on her back. And I think she made it like maybe six episodes in or something. I thought that was absolutely outstanding. I was like, no, I have almost way more respect for that than the first two wins. But then when she was on uh, Winners at War... The total rookie mistake of giving away her immunity to a player, especially on a Winners at War season. And then she went to whatever it was, the Redemption Island or wherever the hell they called it. Edge of Extinction, yeah, yeah. And then then she basically just quit from that. I'm like, you can't call yourself the greatest player ever if you do that unbelievably brutal rookie mistake. That was just, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Do you know what, though? That move, because I think what she wanted, she wanted Denise to take the shot at Tony. And she's right. Tony wins. Tony becomes the only other two-time winner. So, like, you know, you give that idol and Denise says, okay, yeah, I'll vote, I'll vote at Tony for you. I think that's basically what she wanted. Like, we could be living in an alternate universe where that move looks, you know, Brilliant. pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I don't know, right. flip of a coin in Survivor, I think, a little bit. That's yeah. funny, because uh, I, I write for uh, one of the web- websites I write for, sportsbettingdime.com, and oftentimes I usually just do golf writing on that, but sometimes I do reality show stuff. And there was an article that was given to me, which was essentially, I make the odds for winners at war uh, of who's going to win the season, and you know, uh, I'm the one that sort of creates it, just as fun odds to sort of look at. And uh, of the two people who I said who had the, the longest odds to win, who had no chance to win, the second longest odds I had was Boston Rob, because obviously, you know, huge target and all that stuff. I said the person who was least likely to win was Tony. I thought there's not a chance in hell they would let Tony go like more than two episodes, which was what happened to him the previous season he was on. And then he doesn't even get a vote to lose at all. I, I couldn't believe it. Basically gift wrapped, gift, uh, wrapped him the game toward the end there. You know, some people think that like the Tony uh, Game Changers appearance is uh, like all set up to to come back and be uh, and have a great showing at Winners at War to like almost like reduce his threat level. Uh, right. I don't know if I totally believe that, 
but he was like fired out of a cannon on game changers and he gets voted out second. Right. And then he, you know, and then he comes back and winners at war and it feels like, well, you know, he's not as dangerous as we, we take him out, you know, but they, they didn't. It's I'm, I just can't believe it. Like, you know, massive target on his back the entire time. Like it, it just, it blows my mind, but obviously great, great win. And it's obviously fun to me that, you know, there was a winner that was an amazing player that represented the season. Not someone, not a winner because everyone else hated the other person or people in the in the final two or, or sorry, final three. I always hate when seasons like that end on either Big Brother or Survivor, where it's not even the best player. It's just we hate the other players. I hate that so much. It drives me crazy. Going back to the this current season, a couple of things. Uh, what do you think of the the? Uh, I, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but essentially the game of chance. If you think you're going to be voted off, the sh- you, the shot you roll in the, the dice. Dark. Shot in the dark. The shot yeah. in the dark. Uh, you know, it's weird. I, I, I don't, I don't know if I mind it. I think, um, it's maybe a little bit, you know, it evens the playing field a little bit that anybody has this, you know, kind of chance at an immunity idol. You know, there was a lot, a lot of talk, um, in recent seasons about how it's much harder for women to find idols. So I think that in recent seasons, that's also, you know, the number of women finding idols has skewed higher, but, um, I, I don't know if I'm, I think I got to watch it play out. I think we have to see, um, whether it works or not. My, my initial instinct is that it shouldn't affect the game that much because, you know, it is a one in six shot at, um, at safety. So, um, yeah, my initial thought is it's fine. Um, but it, you know, I, I worry about like an advantage get in where, you know, the luck of the, a bunch of people play their dice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they all are safe or a few of them are safe and, you know, someone likes like what happened to Sari, uh, yes. you know, uh, happened. So so I do worry a little bit about that. But again, the odds are so low, even if you roll the dice that you're going to you're going to get safety. So I don't know. I, I, yeah, I hated that. Sari is such a great player and I hated how it was. It was kind of unique and, and, and cool at the time, but I wouldn't want to see it again. I think it was final six or seven where absolutely everybody else had an advantage or an idol or immunity or whatever. So then Suri was the only one who didn't have anything. So then just by default, she was gone. It was kind of cool at the time, but I'm like, okay, I'm good to see that just the one time. I don't need to see that anymore. Um, And this, uh, the the roll the dice thing, I'm assuming people, I I can't imagine not, you can only use it the one time, correct? Yeah, I think you you put it in that like slot and and you play it and and it's gone. It's in there because uh, I think it, you know I was looking the way that they showed it is that you put your dice in the thing and then you pull a parchment out of the sheet and it tells you if you're safe or not. And I hope I feel like you should have to see the dice resolve, but it looks like you put your dice in the thing and it like disappears and that's like you indicating that you want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly if they're going to give you a dice, you should have to roll that dice and see, yeah. see what the result is. But uh, yeah, I think you play it once. And the other thing I don't know is if you can give away your dice uh your die um that's the other thing uh, i was thinking about that's good Um, yeah yeah Hmm, that's uh that 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 could be yeah we'll see how this plays out that that certainly seems like there's a great potential for this uh the other thing is uh, retiring the come on in guys um whatever thing that jeff probst would always say uh, before the challenges uh what would you think of uh, them uh, getting rid of that so I, I very much think that that's, you know, a good move. Uh, guys is a word that I've tried to remove from my language. It's really, really hard. I, I uh, will tell this to anybody who, you know, asked me about, you know, you, you know, guys, it's, you know, it's, it's gender neutral to me. You know, it's not, I don't think it is, uh, but it's really hard. I, I have a hard time getting rid of it. And I know that I like, don't want to use it. So um, I, I like it. I think, um, you know, he asked Ricard, you know, again, like Ricard brings it up later and says, you know, I don't think it's inclusive. It's an inclusive word. Like it's, you know, inherently a little bit patriarchal, I guess is maybe the right word, you know, um, that everybody is our guys. So I, I like switching it. I know I saw some reaction that 
you know, did Jeff have to make it a big thing? Like he was probably going to do it anyway. That was probably going to be the last time whether someone told him, you know, oh, I don't think you should say it. There's no, I think Jeff is like, he knew he wanted to change it. And so it kind of looks like he's giving himself a bit on the pat on the back. Mm. I don't know. I kind of like it in the sense that like, I think sometimes, you know, um, to just say like, we're not doing that anymore and that's wrong is like a little bit too abrasive, you know, like sometimes there's times where I think that that's, you know, it's like, yeah, we don't do that anymore. You know, um, I think in this instance, I think there's a good reason to sort of provide a little bit of an explanation as to why we're not doing it. I thought Ricard, you know, explained it quite well um, in the situation. So I like the removal of it. And I, and I kind of, I think I like, you know, the, like having those moments be in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, definitely. It's uh, it's definitely good that he did that. And like you said, it does feel a little bit, I would say to me, like a little bit of a patting himself on the back, a, a, a touch. But at the same time, like I saw some people online basically like, oh, I'm never going to watch a show again because of that. Okay, relax. <laughs> it's not a well, big deal. As, it's not as a big Jeff deal. told them, like <laughs> at him and he'll never read it. Like, that would a baller move. Yeah, it's just like it's one word. Okay, if you if you are that bothered by that, then I don't like. Why are you even watching the show to begin with? So it's just like you know, you know how people are online. Just uh, have to be upset it, and angry, but everything, right? You know what? It's funny. The word "guys" bothered me more when I was when I before I was out, in the sense of people saying "Hey, guy," and it's like, yeah, like I'm not a guy, you know, and like it was almost more of a subconscious thing to know. Like I know that people aren't doing it to mean ill intent or to make me feel bad you know and there's a little bit of that snowflake thing of like well who cares if you have your like feeling search just because i say guys and you think you know it's saying one thing that i'm not saying you know and so to me the reason i've really tried to remove it it bothers me less since i've come out mm-hmm. i know that people are not calling me a guy specifically to like misgender me but i do try to remove it from my language for people who i you know i don't know how people identify or how people feel about it and at the, at the end of the day that's a lot of what like i think this language stuff is about is is trying to as best as we can as a society trying to make sure that um you know we're we're sort of like uh treating people equally you know trying to uplift and support people so um to me i i don't know how people identify so i try to avoid the, using the word guys because i know that for me before i transitioned it was and i came out it was a word that like just like irked me a little bit, right? Like, it's not like, it doesn't ruin my day to be called guys, but it was like, oh, that sucks. Like, I'm not a guy, you know, I don't, you know, so Mm -hmm. um, that's where I'm coming from with that, that stuff. That's why I try to remove it from my language, but I know it's really, really hard for people to do. So, Absolutely. Very, very uh, well said. Uh, uh, Switching from Survivor to Big Brother. Also this season, as we're saying with Survivor, a very diverse cast on Big Brother, which again, I never understood why they didn't have more, diversity on the show just it never made sense i've said it for years it just why wouldn't you want that but uh it's been a, a, an historic season on big brother which is cool uh the fact that you know but even outside of anything else an alliance of six has never been formed right away and gone all the way to the final six which is like that's that that in itself is incredible but yeah the cookout alliance all uh, african-american uh players making the final six what an amazing moment uh for that show's history right yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I, I really felt for Chloe the when uh, when she got put up on the black and she said, you know, people won't understand it. Like it's it's obviously not Tiffany's best game move to put up her, you know, arguably closest ally. I mean, she went out, right? So it, it kind of was the like the wrong move. I'll put the, that in like very heavy quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's like it's you know it's for a bigger uh, purpose for the show to be able to say, yeah, there were six black people. They all made it to the final six. Um, a, a definitively a black person, a person of color will win this game. Uh, the, the American, 
non-celebrity Big Brother version of this game, a black person will win. Um, and that's really great. I, I think it's a, 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 yeah, a totally historic and, and um, amazing moment for, for Big Brother. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the final six. That's just uh, absolutely amazing. And, and to be able to keep the alliance uh, a secret for so long from everybody, the only player that I, especially where I was like, no, I want him to make it further was uh, Derek X. I loved him so much. Oh. And I was like, no, like, why can't he somehow sort of make it further? Because he was such a, a fun uh, player on that show and obviously a fierce competitor. And that's the one where I'm really disappointed that he didn't, uh, he didn't go further. Yeah, this was the hard thing of, of again, like that, that Chloe thing of like, there's two, there are two people who I was like, oh, I want them to, like, I want them to win. Like, I want, I want Derek X to win this game. And knowing that he was just going to run into something that he couldn't do anything about is, um, is hard. I think he's probably, I feel like the week after he got voted out, the show was just like giving him his flowers, like being like this guy, like, like you had Hannah and the doctors being like, he was the best guy, you know, like you, Kylan, I think was like crying. I was like, this dude is coming back for an all-star season. Like, I don't think we have yes. to, unless like Derek doesn't want to be back on this show. Cause like we just had an all-star season that I, you know, uh, in mixed reviews, I feel like last season. So I could see them staying away from that for a while, but like, you know, I could certainly see if they go back to like a, a captain season or like, you know, here's, you know, here's, Four people return. These are four returnees. Derek's got a, a slot locked in unless he doesn't want to come back. So yeah, no. he's absolutely he's such a fun player and like I said, great competitor. You were saying Chloe there. I'm like, I swear there's no Chloe this season, but it's amazing. We watch all these reality shows together and the names get jumbled up and it happens to me all the time as well. It was Claire that you were ref uh, referring to there. But, oh, sorry. But I, I, I knew it was, she I knew replaced, it was a C name. Yeah. Did she replace Chloe or am I? I just have my all my names mixed up. Uh, it doesn't seem like no. There was no Chloe this season or whatever. But like I said, the, all the names they all. The, the the player who uh, that I wish would have gone further because he, he was such a bad player, uh, but it was so entertaining to me. It was Frenchy. I thought he would have been fun to. He was such a bad player, but it was entertaining to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard to believe that was that long ago. Like it feels like forever ago that we were watching Frenchy's game explode before our eyes. But um, uh, he would have been fun to see hang around. But uh, you know, I'm kind of happy with where he ended up. Uh, going out he had to you know i don't think there was much more to see in a frenchie game that's true uh, yeah. maybe not as bad as frenchie but uh to touch back on survivor the uh he's an older guy uh brad from the season brad uh he's also seems like just an awful player but is entertaining because he just doesn't get like he's just like basically like we should get rid of you two and he's standing right beside them it's oh. like you moron I but i love it I don't want a game. I don't want any of these games to be filled with like twenty game bots. You know, I want I want some people who like don't know what they're doing. I want the wild cards. I want give me the Keith nails of the world. Put in you know one or two of them a season, right? Like they they are the ones who are they they become little chaos agents, you know. <laughs> um, and it's super fun to see how you have to work around, right? When like when you think that everybody's playing logically, you can sort of map out the route you want to go. When when a player is not playing logically. What do you do then? What do you do when Brad says he wants to vote you out in front of him? You know, he didn't go home. It's wild. It's, yeah. So it's pretty funny. I'm like, uh, I was trying you know, because, like you said, I think that tribe is the most interesting. There's so many good players. And I'm like, I like Brad. I also like JD. I like Sarah. Like, I was like, I like all of them. I don't want them to be gone. Like, I was trying to figure out, like, who do I, who would be the one I least am upset with leaving? And it was like, there's different reasons to want all these uh, players to stay in the game, right? So, it's just funny, totally. and, and as the seasons go on, uh, to take it back to Big Brother or, or Survivor, of course, you can mention this too. Like uh, in this current season of Big Brother, it's I never understand why do so many people play this game, and obviously they want to win the money, they want to win the game, and at the end, like Xavier, 
obviously should have been ousted a little while ago by Kylan, but Kylan saved him, and now it looks like from what we see, by the time this episode drops, so we'll, we'll have seen the result, but uh, probably uh, Kylan will be evicted. It's like, why the hell would you keep Xavier in the game? It blows my mind that people always bring these amazing players to the end. It makes no sense. I, you know, it, it's true. Like, you know, take the shot when you take the shot, but also, you know, you do worry about these like upset, but, you know, having the shield in front of you, I think Kylan's played a really good game. And I, I do think Kylan thought, you know, there might be something to this, like the gentleman agreement mm-hmm. um, for the two of them to get to the end. And I think, you know, I think head to head, Kylan's got a better shot, but he has to get there. And um, obviously as I, I you know, uh, based on last night's um, Vita win, it is not, I, I would assume he's not going to get there. Um, but yeah, it, 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 all, the, all these micro decisions you have to make towards the end of the game. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, there are these deals that they've made, right? He, he made the deal with Xavier. So then, you know, are you worried about if you think you can beat, Xavier, you take him the end because the, the alternative is voting him out and potentially losing his jury vote, right? Um, so uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's hard. They, they've been in there for a long time. Like these Big Brother seasons are long. I know they get food and showers and whatever, um, but what seventy ish days in the Big Brother house? Mm-hmm. A long time. Yeah, you got to go stir crazy. Oh, yeah. absolutely. No, no, no doubt. De- no doubt about that. And yeah, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback on that, but uh, it does seem like you know not just necessarily this season, other seasons where you're, I'm just like. Why would you do you know take the the best player? It just it just seems logical to not do that. But then you know, like you said, it you know you get stir crazy. It's you've been in there that long. You you know you're probably obviously not thinking exactly clearly. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how that plays out. But I'm I'm going to assume probably Xavier's going to win this game, and and obviously he'd be a great winner uh, for the season. Uh, I've touched on this before on a few other podcasts. Who would you say is uh, power rank your favorite? Uh, I say let's say you go top three. Big Brother players of all time, starting with your third favorite, second, and then your uh, your absolute favorite. Oh, favorite, favorite, a... or sorry, favorite, or sorry, I should uh, reword that. Best player ever, as as what I should say. I wish I, there's got to be a woman I can think of. Like the top, I, the top three in my head. I feel like you put Doctor Will Kirby at number three. Um, I know, I know. Uh, I mean, so then two. I I think you put I think you put Derek at number two. The one thing is he only played once and he played a really flawless game, whereas the other people have each played at least twice. But mm-hmm. I think um, – and I mean Derek, like, you know, Cody stole the playbook, right? Stole the Derek playbook. Uh, you know, build the, build the alliance, uh, insulate yourself, you know, uh, take take the goat, go to the ends. Like, uh, yeah, uh, I put Derek at number two. And then I, I think you got to put uh, Dan at number, at number one, Dan Giesling. I could go back and forth that he made it to the finals and lost. So maybe he's not, you know, shouldn't be considered the best and you maybe, you know, put will up there, but the, that's uh, my three. Yeah. The, uh, obviously if you're, you're talking about a woman, uh, it was really good. Like Rachel certainly uh, would be uh, probably at the top of my list. Not, not, not necessarily liking her, but, but she was a, uh, you know, created a lot of chaos and uh, yeah, she won the season. Correct. I'm, I'm all like 99% sure she, she won the season. She, she did win. She won the second season that uh, she came back. Yeah, that's why. Uh, yeah. Doctor Will is not my number one. Uh, obviously, maybe it's a little bit of nostalgia. And sometimes when I talk to people who are younger, who are just getting into the game, Dan is their number one or Derek because they've seen them more recently. And I find oftentimes because people haven't seen Doctor Will in so so long, they almost forget the genius and the greatness of it. The fact his original season, season two, there was no vetoes. Um, and then obviously he went on to all stars as the only previous winner on all stars, massive target on his back, got all the way to the final four and got his buddy, uh, the, the victory. I thought that was, uh, you know, an amazing co- accomplishment. 
obviously Derek's a, a flawless player, no, no doubt about that. And it's kind of tough to sort of uh, downgrade him only because he's played the one season. It's almost like, well, sorry, like maybe if he'd played a second season, he would have been better. Like, even more uh, amazing is what I mean. But uh, I, I think I, for me, I go Dr. Will, Dan, and then Derek probably. Uh, Will also won without winning any HOH. Like there's no veto at the time, but he never won an HOH that season. And he still, he still won. And he sort of perfected um, the whole throwing competitions thing, which everybody does now. And that's one of the things actually on the uh, on Big Brother, they they have to find a better way to incentivize, um, pretty much probably with money, incentivize people to win because there's just too many. I find too many uh, people throwing competitions, which I understand obviously the strategy behind that. I totally get why you would do that, but it's uh-huh. I just I just find like it'd be more it'd be fun if people actually were trying to win a bit more instead of like oh I actually want to lose all these challenges type thing like like uh, Xavier did earlier in the game. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind, I don't mind the, like, you know, it, it is a risk to, to throw a challenge, right? Like it could be the week that you get voted out that you throw the challenge. So I, I don't know that I mind. I, I think you could do, I think some moral dilemma stuff could be, could be fun. You know, they used to have the food competitions and stuff. Like, I think that some stuff that, you know, incentivizes some conflict in the house, I think could, could be fun. And, um, you know, if you know, an alliance made is supposed to throw, you know, there was that whole thing this year where like Tiffany was supposed to throw that mm. challenge. Right. And then she does it. Yep. Right. So I think that could be fun to see like, Hey, you were supposed to throw that. It's like, well, they, you know, I, I won 10 grand, you know? So like, yeah, I was going to win. I think that could be fun. Um, one person I'll mention in terms of like, didn't, didn't win their season. Um, but I think, you know, you know, maybe the best known winner of Vanessa was, was a really strong game player yes. as well. I don't think she like cracks the top True. three for sure, but, um, a, a fun, um, uh, uh, winner, even, even Nicole should get her props a little bit. I know Nicole Franzel, yep. um, yep. uh, you know, but, uh, one and then made it to the final three last season. Right. So, and Vanessa, yeah, oh, yeah she was uh, entertaining as hell. No doubt about that. I really enjoyed watching yep. her season. And, uh, as much as I didn't necessarily like Paul as well, Paul, you could also throw in there. He lost, I think twice now in the final two, I believe, but I didn't yeah, necessarily like him, but incredible that he was able to do that. Like that, that's, you know, that's uh, obviously amazing. And I th- if I'm not mistaken, maybe one of the t- two times he won, it was basically, as I was saying earlier, the we're voting for the other person because we don't like you type of mentality. If I, if I'm not mistaken, a hundred percent. I feel like he got a little bit of, yeah. People voting against Paul that voting for the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Which is disappointing. Uh, let's switch uh, to our uh, favorite love for sports. Uh, and now, by the time again, by the time this episode drops, we might look like geniuses. We might look like morons. I uh-huh. usually look like a moron, but uh, Blue Jays have ten games left as of this recording in their season. Uh, they're half game back of the Yankees for the final wild card. I'm hoping that Boston sweeps the Yankees uh, this coming weekend. So then, basically, obviously, three losses for New York, and hopefully, Toronto can then jump forward there. Do you think they make the playoffs? And uh, it's it's been a very fascinating season because in like in like May. They blew a bunch of games in their division, which might come back to haunt them, but they've been on an absolute tear. Yeah, I mean, what a roller coaster ride. Like I I you know, I listened to a fair amount of Blue Jays podcasts, and you'd have one week where it's like, uh, the, this is the worst season ever. The next week they've won, you know, they've won like six, you know, they went six and one or whatever. Like it's been a, a wild season. It's been so fun to watch. Um, yeah, I gotta hope that this, you know. Yeah, sucks to have to root for either the Red Sox or the Yankees, but I will be rooting for the Red Sox uh, during this uh, Red Sox Yankees uh, series. Um, the Jays have it in it. Have it, you know, they could they they can do it. I, I'm I'm gonna just like say yes to like put it out in the universe that they are a playoff team, um, and that they they beat. How fun would that be to like you know beat the Yank you know oh. uh, beat the Yankees in the standings and and make uh make it in as a wild card team, but 
oh man, these games are going to be like tense to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, and the great thing is that even if they don't make the playoffs, obviously, hopefully they, they do. But now they've been in a legit, this young core is in a, in a full-on legit chance to win to make the playoffs here, which obviously will hopefully be good for them going forward in the years to come. Not like one of these, oh, we're, you know, five games back with like eight games to go type of thing where you basically have no chance, essentially, unless you like go crazy and someone else completely collapses. I like the fact that they are full-on in the middle of a, a playoff chase here. And if they do make the one-game wild card, probably be against Boston in Boston, most likely, which would be fun as well. And I love, I love for their their young core that this is a um, you know sort of a a thing. And and it's funny to me how the narrative has shifted on this team because I know when uh, Ross Atkins and uh, Mark Shapiro first took over, a lot of fans, including myself, was a little they're a little skeptical of them because their messaging wasn't good. They didn't uh, they weren't sort of honest with the fans, and they seemed very rather glib and sort of kind of arrogant. But it's amazing how a lot of these moves where people were, were ripping them, you know, like the, the Robbie Rays of the world and uh, even Steven Matz, it's like, for the most part, you're never going to be 100% right. For the most part, they've done a pretty damn good job. So obviously, signing Marcus Simeon was incredible. Uh, a lot of good moves. Yeah, and I know there's been a lot of talk, right, about, you know, we got to sign, we got to re-sign Ray. Like, you know, he, he's, you know, a good shot at winning the Cy Young here. Um, we got to re-sign Simeon. Like, I would, I would, don't get me wrong. If they resign, you know, one of them, both of them, I will be very happy. Uh, I will be very pleased. At the same time, I sort of trust that this front office, you know, if they, you know, if they're going to have money to spend, which I assume that they will, to add to this very young core, um, whether it has to be Ray and Semyon, I, like I, you know, I, I'm not entirely there. It certainly seems like they would be uh, good choices to to resign, but there's a chance, you know, that either of them you know, want to test the free agent market would get more um, than what they're going to get. You know, the, J- the Jays don't want to overpay. Um, but I, I sort of, I have this trust of like Atkins and Shapiro that um, if those guys leave, um, they're going to do something to fill those holes. They know where this team is that they're like, this is the beginning of, of, of a new window. I don't think this is, you know, the, you know, I don't see the window here closing, mm-hmm. right. Like with this core that you have. Absolutely. So, I'm pretty optimistic, you know, they've made, you know, they signed Springer last year. They signed Rayu the, the, the year before, like, yeah, I'm kind of, kind of going to put my trust in uh, Atkins and Shapiro and, you know, play this in two years and the windows close. And I'm like, what the hell happened? But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, for now I'm quite pleasant. Pleased. I mean, even if they lose, this is, you know, or like, don't make the playoffs. This has been an incredibly fun season and a really breakout, a big breakout year for, you know, Vlad for sure. Um, uh, and and I, I will be I'll be disappointed, but I will be very excited about the start of the 2022 season. So absolutely, and yeah. Vlad. Uh, obviously, we expect I don't think we expected him to hit this well off, uh, offensively. We figured Certainly eventually not. he would get to this. That was that's what we were told, of course, for many years as a hot shot prospect. Uh, I don't think we thought he'd be this good offensively, but he's been obviously amazing. But his his defense at first base has been, uh, to me, like obviously even way more of a surprise because for a while there, because he wasn't very good at third, it was like, are we going to have to have like a 22-year-old designated hitter, which obviously wouldn't be very good? I think he's been really, really good at first base. Yeah, all the credit to him. He did not look good at first base when he first moved over. Like it's, you know, there's that joke in um in Moneyball, right, where uh, the Chris Pratt care uh, he moves from catcher to first base, and uh, it's like it'll be easy. And the run Washington character is like, no, it's really hard. <laughs> like you know, even playing first base in the MLB, it's where you put sometimes your worst 
defensive player, it's still really hard to play first base. And mm-hmm. uh, he has been really, really good. The like stretches he's able to make, uh, his reactions uh, on some of the balls that over there uh, is really good. And it's, uh, yeah, it is quite exciting to know that, like, yeah, you can play him on the field. And it's not just like he'll be okay. Um, he's turned into a good first, first base. I don't know what the metrics say, but, you know, from everything I've seen, it seems like, yeah. He's, yeah. he's a really good first baseman. So. Yeah, he's able to make the, do the splits a lot of times for some of these throws from Bichette, who's uh, coming into his own defensively as well. He yeah. was sort of struggling earlier in the year. Every so often, some of the throws are a little, yeah, as soon as he let, yeah. lets the ball go. And for the most part, Vlad's been able to to get most of the, you know, pick them out of the dirt, which has been really good. And, uh, yeah, like that, that's that been an, an amazing, uh, you know, uh, I guess, yeah, you would say surprise that he's been that good uh defensively uh what are your thoughts on um i still can't quite figure it out after i think three seasons now charlie uh charlie montoya as a manager i i feel like I, I certainly don't hate him or anything like that i certainly don't love him i feel like it's just like in the middle somewhere in the middle i can't figure out what what to think of him really i i'm probably more of a charlie defender than i think you know from what i see certainly on the internet um i know people have trouble with like he's he doesn't get riled up um he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't often show like a ton of emotion um but i also think that like people i think probably underestimate how valuable his demeanor is um even outside of the base out of a baseball game right like he's mm-hmm. he's no gibby he doesn't have the same you know people love gibby like what a hard job to come in mm-hmm. and replace john gibbons as the manager of the toronto blue jays right just this guy who like people loved and people didn't always love gibby right no, but like no, they grew not. to love they grew to love this like you know the feet up on the desk you know that guy charlie is so different charlie is so, but to me i think that you look at the atmosphere, the culture of that clubhouse, like, you know, um, I, I think probably, and, and the, and the frustrations that were probably building up in that, in that clubhouse could have, you know, when they, when they were having those really bad stretches where they were blowing games and the bullpen was doing terribly, that clubhouse could have easily like spiraled. Mm-hmm, right. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if like, you know, I'm not at the clubhouse, so I don't know if this is true, but to me, I, I give Montoya a little bit of credit for the culture that's been built um, in that dugout um, on that team that, yeah. Do I want him to get a little bit more fired up? You know, I look at the, you know, the Rays, uh, Brucky plunking uh, mm. Kiermaier the other day. And he's kind of like, what well, you look at Pete Walker, Pete Walker is furious. He's awesome. fuming. He gets booted out of the game. And Charlie's kind of like, pushing him back. He's like not getting fired up, but I actually think in like some instance, like, you know, you kind of got to take the good with the bad and him not getting like, not being this guy who's going to like blow his top um, works in, I think it works in the clubhouse for what he's built as a culture of let's not, you know, let's not, lose it guys like it's like we'll be okay and look where they are they're like you know are they tied or they're game back of the of the wild card currently against the yankees so um i don't know i'm probably more of a charlie defender than most people but yeah i'd say like i certainly uh definitely don't you know i definitely don't hate the guy uh, that's for sure and you're right about all those things you mentioned about how he was able to keep you know a level-headed uh you know, especially in May there, uh, when the bullpen was absolutely imploding and they easily could have, uh, you know, spiraled, as you mentioned, like like, like crazy. I will have, give him credit for that, to be able to keep an even keel and all that. And the, the players genuinely do seem to like the guy, which is great. Uh, and you're right, it is harder to follow Gibby. I've always said, like, Gibby's just fun to have Gibby. Uh, you know, I just love Gibby. I don't know. I, I even like the first iteration of Gibby. A lot of people didn't because uh, they weren't obviously a very good team then. But it is, it is a very difficult job to... Uh, to, to follow up Gibby on that one. And we'll see how things go in the last little bit of the regular season. And then hopefully the playoffs with Montoyo. 
Uh, I certainly don't, uh, you know, hate him where I certainly, you know, I can't, it's not like I can't stand the guy, but it's just sort of in the middle to me, which is kind of a weird thing. Usually by year three, yeah. I would have a, a stronger opinion one way or the other on that one. And the other thing too, I think that like he gets a little bit of flack for is that it, it feels like maybe some of his decisions are coming from the front office and he doesn't really have his own um, game plan, strategy, whatever. But like, to me, Atkins and Shapiro, if that's who they're going to hire as their manager, then the next manager they hire, they're not going to they're not going to let a wild card, you know, into the into the dugout, right? If this is the guy that they think you know is working and they extended him, you know, then I don't think we're going to get this, you know, I don't think we're going to get a Gibby type in there who who might you know throw caution to the wind in a, in a game, right? Like I feel like Montoyo, part of what they value Montoyo is that he sort of will take the like analytic stuff that they've that they've given him like he you know and he is the type of manager who wants to leave someone out there to see if they can work through it you know the chat would uh, of it all earlier in the season yeah. um I, I don't know that you're going to get somebody you know who doesn't sort of follow the atkins shapiro you know model right that's who they're going to hire somebody so i think people thinking we got to get someone else in there i think you're going to find someone who's quite similar to charlie montoya that's a that's a very very good point uh very well said uh I'll we'll get you out of here on a couple of things here. I, I want to touch on, unfortunately, it's just so, so sad. Uh, you know, our amazing comedian a couple of weeks ago, Norm MacDonald, unfortunately passed away, 61 years old, cancer. I know you're a fan of uh, Norm MacDonald. Uh, what, what are your some of either his favorite jokes or memories of uh, stuff he did? Because uh, when that, that, that was a gut punch to me. Whenever I heard that, I was like, oh my God, he's so young. Like, oh, just awful. Yeah, our uh, our old roommate Dan uh, was a huge Norm Macdonald fan, um, and I feel like I sort of got to to see um, you know Norm's Norm's genius. There was some some tweets going around that, like you know Norm was a a genius who decided to be a comedian, and in some ways I agree. And I listened to Conan O'Brien. Uh, he did a podcast on Conan O'Brien needs a friend where they just it was just him um, and some other guys talking about Norm and his brilliance and Norm. To me, the genius of Norm was just that he was um, he what what he thought was funny is what he used in his comedy. So it seems so quirky or odd, um, but he just knew it was funny. Like he he had such a mind for comedy. Um, my favorite, you know, it's gone around a lot on the internet, but the the moth joke he makes yes. on, on Conan O'Brien, um, he basically comes and he just like he I, he just fills time. He fills this whole segment with this meandering story. Uh, you know, it's very like you know, oh my my son is uh, you know I I can't even look at him like he's you know it's like really dark. And then the punchline to the joke is just the guy's like, why'd you come in here? He's like, well, the, the light was on, Doc. <laughs> and like, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a subversion of, of expectations, right? Like in a talk show, like for somebody to just sit there and fill like five minutes of time, like meandering, not making a point is like not something you see on late night TV. And so Norm, yeah, just had this like incredible, uh, you know, he had this sense for comedy that I don't think like we see from a lot of people, this like comfortability comfortability and being like awkward and um making these weird jokes um and certainly like you know i'll say like there's some there was some stuff going around in the trans community about like some stuff that norm had said and um to me like you know i'll take that you know with with me as i like think about norm and and what he did i I think that norm was a comedian who certainly pushed the line uh a lot there's um who's that who's conan sidekick you know i can't remember his name uh anyway it doesn't doesn't matter but he's on the podcast and he's talking about basically the, this joke that norm would do all the time was just like basically calling him gay and he's like yeah i felt like pretty uncomfortable with it really but like it was also part of norm to like 
want to push where comedy like that's the thing that he sort of like thrived on and i think as he got you know you know he he got better about not pushing on those things um as sort of like society says like don't do that um uh and yet at the same time he's just this like brilliant comedian who made me laugh many many times um so yeah, yeah absolutely uh, andy richter by the way was a corner brian yeah, sidekick yeah, yeah. i couldn't remember, remember right. the name yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, norm was just uh like you said he was able to i didn't watch like a ton of his stuff uh, admittedly uh but some of the, the things i would that i would see over the years and uh i did just appreciate the fact that uh i think actually another former roommate of my uh this is maybe I don't know, four or five months ago to mom who's a past guest to mom Duong. He has sent me this, the, the best of Norm Macdonald clips. This is like m- many, many months ago. And it was the same, very similar to the jokes. They weren't, it seemed like the joke was going nowhere and it was sort of like, as you mentioned, like meandering. Okay, it gets to the point almost. And then he knew like that was, that almost was what made the joke the best at the end. All this, yeah. like nothing basically in the middle. And you're like, come on, man. If, you know, would you finish the freaking joke already basically? And then boom, he just dropped something that was just the best. And, uh, Man. Yeah, he just he just had so this good. confidence to like, you know, take you on a ride, you know, in a joke to uh you know it's very deadpan and but like just come with me because it'll be funny when we get there. I like very much appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he was uh, he was amazing. And uh and lastly, uh as I said off the introduction there, you uh, host your own podcast and and uh, are contributing to many others. Uh, tell us about uh, all those. Yeah, so Hold Up as a podcast, you know, I did it. Uh, I applied for the class of 2020 with Rob as a podcast, and I wasn't sure that I was going to make it on. And I said, well, the only way I, you know, I could eventually at one day make it on to Rob as a podcast is if I get better at podcasting. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I reached out to uh, to some people, and um, my friend Hudson suggested, why don't we talk about LGBTQ media from the past, and then we'll see if it holds up. And I said, what a good name for a podcast. We could call it Hold Up. Great. So we've watched uh, we've watched like uh, the the Ellen coming out episode, like her her sitcom. We've watched Will and Grace. We watched uh, Chandler's dad on Friends. Um, we watched Brokeback Mountains. So we just watched LGBTQ media and see if it um, holds up and actually because this week is um, Survivor 41 premiere we're going to go back to watch episode 1 of Survivor to talk about Rich and Rudy and Mm -hmm. Sonia so uh, I've watched it we haven't talked about it yet but that should be uh, quite fun again Rudy a guy who like you know talks about how uh, Rich is a homosexual you know but uh, (laughs) like I I love him so it'll be very fun to like talk about the like you know uh, that me and Richard got to be pretty good friends not in a homosexual way, that's for sure. Over on uh, Post Show Recaps is a sister network to Rob as a podcast, sort of was born out of uh, that network. I've been doing monthly movie review podcasts. So uh, recently uh, we got uh, my co-host and I, Ariel Gomez, we got on and talked about uh, Candyman, Free Guy, and then Coda was a streaming uh, movie on Apple TV+. Plus. So every month we get together and talk about three movies that came out the month before and chat about them. So that's been fun, as well as I'm about to cover the new season of Succession. Are you a Succession fan? Uh, I've heard, uh, I've obviously heard of it. I have not watched it yet, though. Obviously, a big fan for you. Yeah, it's 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 great. There is like a, it is one of those shows where there's no rootable people. Nobody is good or fun to watch. So you just got to be mindful of that heading into it. But uh, it's really great. It's fun. So I'm covering the third season with uh, Josh Wiggler and Jess Sterling. So that should be great. So that's all on Post Show Recaps. Uh, you can check it out at postshowrecaps.com. Um, yeah, on Tuesdays on twitch.tv slash dmphilly, I play Dungeons and Dragons in space. Um, so you can check that out. Um, yeah, I got I got a fair bit going on. That's uh, yeah. that's amazing. You're doing uh, obviously an amazing job and uh, great for yourself. And I'm very happy for you because yeah, it sounds like you're 
you know, I have a lot of different things on the go as well. And it's good to keep busy. Sometimes it feels a little, a little bit like work is like, oh my God, I have, I have to do this and this and this and this. But yeah. ultimately it's obviously good to get your stuff out there and uh, do these different things and uh, so much fun. And it is, it would be fun to, as you said, you're going to be recapping uh, season one of Survivor to go back to that because yeah, I mean, I loved Rudy right away. And obviously a lot of the things that he, he would say nowadays would be like, oh my God, you can't put that up to TV and and, uh, you know, but it, it, it's amazing that he was a 72 year old man, very set in his ways, a former Navy SEAL. And there was this uh, gay guy that was on his team. And in theory, I'm sure the producers were like, oh, they're going to hate each other. You know, yeah. Rudy, there's going to be fireworks. They're going to be, you know, fighting the whole time. And it's cool to see like Rudy, who, who he was. He's like, you know what? I still have my sort of beliefs and stuff, but I can still love this guy. It's, it's a great message that like this was 20, 21 years ago when Survivor premiered. Yeah. And he didn't necessarily agree with the lifestyle, which, I mean, you can obviously, you obviously should be fine with that, but wherever he didn't agree with it, that's fine. But he still managed to love the guy, which is amazing. And, you know, it's uh, so sad that, you know, I heard, I think maybe a year ago, Rudy passed away and, and yeah. obviously Richard Hatch. Uh, I love watching his videos on YouTube, by the way, Richard Hatch is amazing. And, he has uh, when we're talking about Rudy. So I think we're going to, we're going to chat about that uh, as well. But yeah, it's just like a really interesting dynamic, right. For this guy who's like, you know, uh, yeah, you you do you live your life, but uh, okay, we can work together in this game. Like, it'll be really interesting to cover. So we're just talking about episode one, but uh, yeah, that uh, should come out soon. Uh, it, uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter at High from Grace. There's some other stuff I'm I'm working on, but uh, I don't need to belabor um, the point. But Mikey, how did we like we we were roommates, and then as soon as we we like move away, we start you know then we do all of our podcasting. You know? <laughs> it's kind of funny, eh? I guess uh, yeah. I always had the dream to be on air. That's what I went to uh, college for, and. Obviously, you've been behind the scenes at TSM for so many years, and I guess I just didn't have the equipment, or uh, it is, or I guess maybe, I mean, podcasts obviously were a thing when we were living together, but maybe, I'm always a bit slower to everything I feel like, you know, I didn't buy a PVR for a few years, and I'm like, what was I thinking, not having a PVR, or different stuff like that, I think I'm always a little bit slower to get to stuff, and then I'm like, this was amazing, what have I, what have I been thinking not doing that type thing, so it is kind of funny that, uh, you know, now that we're you know not no longer living together, that's when we do our, our podcast. But uh, I think yeah, we're doing we a pretty kicked, good job. We we could have kicked Dan out of his room and made a podcast studio. What were we thinking? <sighs> yeah, yeah, that was a missed opportunity for sure. But uh, no, this yeah. has been uh, this has been a blast. Uh, a lot of fun doing this and catching up. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely uh, talk in the future for sure. And thanks for being on. All right, thanks for having me on. It was great. That was so much fun talking reality TV with Grace Leader. I don't know if there's anyone who's as obsessed with reality shows that I am. But I think perhaps Grace, she might give me a run for my money and I might lose that battle. Even though I'm still rattled that she doesn't think Dr. Will Kirby is the greatest Big Brother contestant of all time. It was amazing chatting about the current season and success of the historic Cookout Alliance, ensuring that finally there will be an African-American contestant to win the American Big Brother. And as I said in our chat, why they haven't had more diverse casts in the previous years is truly baffling to me. Our first love is Survivor. In the premiere show, there's quite a lot of potential for the show going forward. And after just watching episode one, I think the pastor Chantel and Evie will be the superstars of the season. Here's hoping the Blue Jays are able to make the playoffs, which would be so much fun. Even if they don't, it's been a September to remember with their dominant stretch and the young core have learned a lot this season. But make no mistake about it. Let's crush the Yankees and Red Sox and further along, the Rays. Thank you so much for listening to episode 72 of the H-Dog Pod. This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang.